Hey, welcome to Crosswalk Church. Today, Pastor Dan is bringing you a teaching, so head over to crosswalkphoenix.com and find today's message under the worship tab. There you can download the Crosswalk notes to follow along. And now, here's Pastor Dan. Again, we are in, in Ephesians chapter 5. And as we begin, I need you to think what goes through your head if you're driving down the road, you're driving down baseline, and you see a police officer, or you see photo enforcement, or on the side of the road you see a motorcycle cop on radar. If you are like me, the first thing I do is check my speed. That, that is where I go immediately to make sure that I'm not speeding. Maybe even I hit the brake, then check my speed, just to make sure. The next thing I do, which I have gotten much, much, much better at, is my seatbelt. I, I used to be horrible, horrible with my seatbelt, and uh, have been ticketed for it, actually. And, and now I, I have the ticket, but now it's just this natural thing. When I see a police officer, go for it, make sure I have my seatbelt on as well. Then I start to think, what else might this police officer pull me over for? Uh, I remember once my, my wife had a, a light out on her Jeep, which really didn't bother me because it was my vehicle, until the day that I did drive it to Prescott, and on the way home, sure enough, police officer pulled up behind me, noticed the light that was out, pulled me over right on the middle of Black Canyon. Oh, my goodness. And, and so that's what the thoughts that go through my head of, of maybe a little panic, and maybe a little fear, maybe just checking out to make sure I'm not doing anything wrong. But that has not always been the way that I felt when I've seen a police car. And the reason why is, I, I might have mentioned this before, I, I grew up in a town of maybe 9,000 people, if that, and my dad was a sergeant and later a lieutenant on the police department. So when I was young and when I was learning how to drive, when I was in high school and college, and, and I would drive into town and I would see a police car, my first reaction was, is that my dad driving? And my dad also happened to train every officer in the city of Burlington for about 20 years. And, and many of these guys, after the shift would be over, would come over to our house and, and they would kind of do a little debrief in our basement. We had a finished basement with a pool table, pinball machine, and things like that. And, and they would just hang out at our house. And so it was usually the, this, this idea of when I would see a police officer, I'd see a police car, I would slow down, maybe even stop to talk and, and, and say hi to whoever it was. But the thing about it is, is myself and my brothers as well, we were also young, teenage, college kids, which means there were times we got in a little bit of trouble as well. And, and so I remember one time specifically we were racing. It was, I was in the car with my brother. We were racing a friend of his. We were racing to our house, and we got there first. We won. And, uh, and, and so we pulled in, we got out of the car, and, and we were running into the basement where we were headed to, to go to the pool table and, you know, pinball machine hangout. And this friend got back a, a little bit just behind us. He got out of his vehicle, and a squad car pulled up right behind him, behind our house. 
and it wasn't my dad. It was a different officer, and he got out of the car, and he asked the, the friend of ours to come over by him, and at that time, we noticed something was going on, so we walked out, and he said, he asked him, could I see your driver's license? And he said, you know, I saw some two cars going racing through town. And so he said to my brother, can I see your license as well? And he took the two license, got in the squad car, and drove away. <laughs> and that's when we knew we were in big trouble. Because my dad was working that night, and he was working the desk. And so we went in the basement and we waited. And sure enough, my dad came home about a half hour later with this other kid's dad. And it was, it was not pretty. And, and we had the talk about all the, the laws that were broken, speeding, failure to stop, racing, reckless driving, and, and all of the things that, that could have happened. And uh, we resolved that to make sure it didn't happen again. Another time, this was my older brother. My older brother was warned by my dad. I mean, I heard it at least five times. You better not squeal your tires in the city limits of this city again, or you are not going to see your car for a month. And, and just so we're clear, my dad never made threats, ever. He made promises. They were, he would follow through on whatever he did. And, and one night, my brother was out on a date, first time date with, with his girlfriend, squealed the tires, had to impress her. The police officer pulled them over, asked them to get out of the car. They went on the curb. He got in the car and drove away. <laughs> in the squad car behind him, there was a second police officer, which was my father, and he waved. And my, and my brother did not see his vehicle for one month. Now, the reason why I bring this up is to, to give you a little view into what it means to be the child of a police officer in a small town. And for, for some, I think when they saw the relationship we had with my father and, and they would hear stories like this, they would take that to mean, oh, that must be nice. You can't get a ticket. Uh, you get to do whatever you want in town. And I'm telling you, nothing could be farther from the truth. See, my dad had a unique relationship with us. It was a loving relationship, a lot of respect for my father. But he also had a relationship with the law, which he was sworn to uphold. And for that reason, as his children, we had this, with this relationship with him but it also meant that we had a relationship with that same law as well. And that was to keep it. And that was to live by it. And the thing about it is, is the, the law wasn't some lifeless set of rules. But it was intimately connected with our relationship to our dad. And, and for that reason, as we looked at why we would want to keep it, it wasn't just because it was the law, but it was because... It had a lot to do with who our father was. Now, as we, we look at that and consider that today, we are looking at the theme that we are children of God. And when you think about that, think our God is in a position of control, right? As children of God, if you think about this, as, as someone would think about being a child of a police officer, being a child of God, that means we get to do whatever we want. 
And, and God will forgive us, right? It means we can just do that and, and God will just write a check for it afterwards that he will just take care of it. And I'm telling you that nothing could be farther from the truth. But as we look at it, the, the reality of it is that we do have a special relationship with our God, that we are his children, and it is a bond of love. And our God also has a relationship with his law, his good and perfect will. And, and he is sworn to uphold that as well. And so that puts us in a unique relationship where that is not why God loves us. He doesn't love us because we keep his law. But as we, we think about our relationship with him, because we love him and he loves us and, and we know that love, we will want to keep that law as well. That's where we are at in the book of Ephesians. For three chapters, the first three chapters was all about God's relationship with you and to assure you on no uncertain terms that you are his child. Then chapters four, five, and six turn a little bit and say, because God has done this for you, that you need to understand that, that it means something for your life. And now you have a unique relationship to God's law and to God, and it's going to affect the way that you live. And that's what we are going to look at right now. So let's start. And remember, Ephesians was a letter. And when this letter was written, there were no chapters and verses. It was just a letter. And so as we look at the start of chapter 5, we're going to start actually with 4 verse 32, the end of chapter 4, because it's really closely connected. It says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. In those words, you can underline where it says in verse 1, follow God's example and then start with, therefore, as dearly loved children. Just in case there, there's any doubt, you are a dearly loved child of God. How many times have you heard that from this stage? If you're someone who comes to Crosswalk with regularity, you're like, oh my goodness, not again. My, my identity as a redeemed child of God bought with the blood of Jesus. We're told in so many places in the, in the Bible that this is a reality. This is a fact. When we have a baptism, one of the things that we talk about in baptism is that is God's adoption. That is through the waters of baptism, God makes it very clear that you are now my child, that that is the adoption process that God uses so that when you look at your, your baptism, when you remember your baptism, you are remembering who you are. In the same way that I, I think about that relationship with my father, that that's something that affected me every, and still does today. It affects me every day. It's made me who I am. My relationship with him has formed me. And how did this happen? Through Christ's sacrifice. Notice, as a dearly loved child of God, walk in the way of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. And that is what the cross is about. 
that were taken back to the cross of Jesus. That is where that, that payment was made. I think about that when, when I think about my, my dad. There were times when, I don't know if he would say he took the law into his own hands. <laughs> Maybe that was, yeah, I, I would say he did. That, that in the spirit of the law, he, he was able to come up with a punishment and a consequence that, that fit that would be a deterrent from future breaking of the law. But when I think about this a, a little bit more, I think about the way God had to deal with this with Christ. Because what happened is, is when we broke God's law, when, when we break God's law, we actually have to go to court. It's the Father upholding the law, taking us to court with each one of us, with each one of these crimes, being found guilty, and then the Father paying for it, paying for the crimes that we've committed. And that is what the life of Christ was all about. And that's why it's called a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. That is what Christ's life was. It was the keeping of that law perfectly because we could not. In the blank, you can write, Jesus gave his life as a sacrifice for our sins. Jesus gave his life as a sacrifice for our sins. As his children, we walk in the way of love. In those passages, right after where it said, dearly loved child of God, it says, and walk in the way of love. The way of love is the way that Jesus walked. The way of love is the way that we walk as well. And that is recognizing what, what God's law is, recognizing what God's will is, recognizing what his desires are, and willingly following it because of our relationship to God our Father. Paul continues with the Ephesians. Ephesians 5, 3 to 7. But among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be any obscenity. I'm going to stop there just for a moment. Nor should there be any obscenity. Just so we're clear, when, when the Bible talks about swearing, I think uh, sometimes we mix up swearing and obscenity. Swearing is literally calling on God as a witness. So if I say, I swear to God this is true, that's swearing. Or uh, if you said, God is my witness, what I'm saying uh, is true, that's swearing. Four-letter words are technically not swearing. What those are are obscenities, okay? That is when uh, my mom would call potty mouth, okay? Just so we're clear on the same page. And, and as we're looking at, the, the, the point that he's making here is that as dearly loved children of God with the things that come out of our mouth, living the way of love, telling people we care, that, that our words are, are valuable and important, that these obscenities uh, they, they have no place. That's not what God has made us to do. Okay, so, so no obscenity, foolish talk or coarse joking, which are out of place, 
but rather thanksgiving. This type of talking is out of place. And I'm telling you, you know when this is out of place. And they're out of place, we would say things like when someone would speak with obscenity, foolish talk, things like that, you would say things like, do you kiss your mother with that mouth too? You know what I'm talking about. You, you, you know immediately if mom was there and mom heard it, she would be very disappointed in you. Or times when, when individuals in this congregation and other people I know have invited me to go places and introduced me as Dan. Yeah, this is my friend Dan, which is great because I am their friend Dan. And then maybe we're on a golf course or something like that and a guy's not very good at golf and thinks obscenity is going to make him better and so he starts on his little tirade and then it comes out, uh, did you know Dan was a pastor? I'm sorry, pastor. I, I'm so sorry for, for my... My point is this, is that you know what that language is. I don't know if you even know why you use it, but, but you do know it's out of place. And it's not just when a pastor's there that it's out of place, or just not when mom's there that it's out of place. It's out of place, period. And instead, to replace it with Thanksgiving, which we'll get to later. We continue. For of this you can be sure, and this is where it gets a little scary, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person is an idolater. And, and as we look at what an idolater is, just so you're, you know what the definition, an idolater is someone who follows a false god. The first commandment is, you shall have no other gods, and if you put something in place of God, it's an idol. And, and if you worship that, you are an idolater. And now what it's saying here is, is when an immoral person, so a person who does not have the same moral standards as God does, that when you identify with that immoral behavior, you've put that above God. Or a greedy person. That, that when you, you take a gift that God has given you in money and you put that above God, it becomes your idol. Or, as you think of greed and it's the way you serve yourself, you're putting yourself above God. You are basically worshiping yourself and what you want. An immoral, impure, greedy person, such a person as idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. You know what? Paul doesn't care what anyone else says because if they tell you differently in these areas, they are lying to you. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. These are very, very, very strong words. And, and it reminds me of, of my father so much that the, it was interesting growing up in a police officer's home. It just was. And, and my dad was always serious when it came to, to the things that had to do with the law. But then there was another area where my dad went to another level. And it's the only way that he really ever talked about things, and that was the use of drugs. And and it was the thing, and I think it was because when my dad was a police officer was the time where, where drugs really started coming on the scene. 
And I remember him talking to my brothers and, and me a couple of different times. And, and he, he didn't rule us with an iron fist or anything like that. He was very patient with us. He let us make our own mistakes. But he said, here's the deal. Drugs change you. And, and if you are going to go that route, you cannot come home until they're gone. Because I've seen it change too many people. And I know, uh, being a small town, he had put too many people's friends, kids away uh, for drug use. And he begged us, he implored us, no matter what, do not even try them. Please, I'm asking you. And none of us did. As I look at my brothers, it was something that we, through the grace of God and the encouragement of my father, did stay away from. And that's what the, the, the Lord is telling us here, is that when you look at these things, specifically when it has to, with greed and, and sexuality, those two things have the power to rip you away from God unlike any other two things. I don't know why that is, but it is. It, it, it's a reality, and I see it on a regular basis. In the blank, you can write, being greedy is the opposite of what God is. Remember, Christ gave the living sacrifice, everything like that. So when, when you think about this idea of being greedy, you are being the exact opposite of what God is. Greed makes a good thing an ultimate thing. So it's a good thing. The gift that God gives in, in sex, the gift that God gives in money, all, those are good things. God, God gave them to us as being good. But when you focus on them as the ultimate thing, the thing that your life now revolves around, you have an issue. Ultimately, greed and immorality are the worship of self. They're the worship of self. One way that, that is probably the most obvious as you think of language, as I am, Jeff and I both study language. That's, that's what we went to school for. And in the Greek language specifically, what's interesting is the word love and how the word love is used. Because there are a number of different words for love, but in English, they're just love. And so an example of this would be in, uh, in the Greek language, there's Agape, which is a love where you give. It's where, where God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. But then there's another word in Greek. The, the word is eros, E-R-O-S. And from that word is where we would get the English word erotic. And so erotic would be the sexuality where, where when you see erotic type behavior is when someone's sexuality, their maleness or their femaleness or, or their body, that, that you see it, that you desire it, and that you, you go for it. And, and it's from where we would get the expression making love. Now here's the, the thing that's interesting is in English, those words are both defined as love in the Greek language, they are antonyms. They are completely opposite words. And the reason why is because agape has to do with giving someone. It's saying, what does this person have that I want to give to them, that I can give to them? 
Whereas eros or erotic says, I'm seeing that person and I want something from them. I want what they have, I want to get my hands on, I want to be, and I want to have that for myself. And so you can see where when he's talking about being greedy, where you see money and you want more and more of it for myself, more than what God has, has given to me, that it's money that he's given to someone else, but I want more of it, that sexually it's the same way, where we see it and we want more than God has given us. We want to go beyond what God has shown us in, in his word, according to his law, to be good for us. And we say, forget that. I want what I want for myself. I share this with you because you need to see the connection of sexuality, of greed, immoral, literally making up your own rules because of where it leads. Such a person is an idolater. They don't have any place in the inheritance of the kingdom of God. And let no one deceive you with empty words. You've heard the empty words, right? You're two consenting adults. You can do whatever you want. Those are empty words, and, and they're wrong. You know what? This is the way God made me. This is, and so I'm, I'm going to go on that. God wants me to be happy, doesn't he? You tell me. You tell me what you've heard or, or what lets you sleep at night so that you are able to, to serve yourself with these things. But it's not living in the way of love. We're getting to this in just a moment. I'm jumping ahead. And I, the words of my dad ring out, you know better. I don't know how many times my dad had said that as well. You know better than this, Dan. You know better. And now today, you know better too, as you hear his word. Continue. For you once were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. I know you know what pleases you. But now we're going a little different path. What pleases the Lord? Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why it is said, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. That part, and I emphasized it, find out what pleases the Lord. That as we live our lives, it, it's the two things. It, it's I'm going to be self-centered in my life or I'm going to be Christ-centered in my life. I'm going to be self-centered where, where I feed on my own appetites and I ask myself on a daily basis, what do I want? What is going to make me happy? And I'm telling you that, that it leads to a path, down a path of misery. Or on a daily basis, I can remember that I'm a child of God that God wants what is best for me, and so I am going to want that, and, I, and I'm going to follow that. And on a daily basis, when I find out what pleases the Lord, I'm going to find out what's beneficial to me because God gives us these good and perfect gifts to be used according to the, the way he has in mind for us. So we go, continue to go into his word to find out what his way is. In the blank, you can write... 
As a light from God, I will encourage godly behavior. I will encourage godly behavior and expose dark places. I will encourage godly behavior and expose dark places. And as you think about that, as you encourage and expose, there's two ways really that you do that. One of that is simply how you live your life. As you live as a child of light. And and as you do that, as you live with a relationship with, with your Father in heaven, that just being who God has made you to be makes you a light. It does. As you live in love, as you live in that way of love, in the same way that, that Christ was that way, so we, as, as we live for him, that our light shines, that people can see that and they recognize that there's something different about us. But a second way that you do that as you live as a light is also with your voice. And, and so many times I have seen people just be quiet, silent. That, that when other people, are, that, that we talked about before, that, that those who deceive others with empty words, that we let it go uncontested. But there's a time and a place to use your voice and say, no, this is not right. This is not what God's plan is. And that's part of that encouraging and also exposing improper behavior. We continue. Ephesians 5, 15 and 16. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. In the blank, you can write, wisdom is knowing and doing God's will. Knowing and doing God's will. In those words right above from Ephesians 5, 15 and 16, where it says, making the most of every opportunity, brings back bad memories from high school, and, and specifically of a history professor that I had. And he said the very first day of class, we will have absolutely no tests in this room. And when we heard that, everyone was like, yeah, this is, this is awesome. And then he said, but what we will have on a regular basis is an opportunity for you to share with me what you have learned, which some people call tests. (laughs) And that's what they were, that that you had these opportunities uh, where, where you could, in a written form, let him know how he had done teaching the class. And so when we think of this, think in your life, if you want to think about these as tests for your faith... Or, or as living as a, a ch- child of light, that God gives you the opportunity to show this light on a regular basis. I don't know if you realize this morning you have already had one and you passed because you're here. You had an opportunity to come here to hear God's word and, and you're here to do it. Congratulations, you get an A for this part of the day. And now if, as I'm saying these words, you're actually listening to me, that's like a second A that you get, because not only are you here, but now you, you have heard what is said. And now if you really want an A, it, the, the opportunity begins the second you leave here. And that is, are you going to take what you have learned and put it into practice in whatever role that you play in your life? 
And when you think about it in this way, every day on a regular basis, we have all these opportunities, these opportunities to to not only know what is right, but to do it. And these are where the words of my dad come back that I was talking about, the times when he said to me, Dan, you know better than this. And what I have found in my life is I know a lot. And I know a lot about what God's word says. It seems to me the, the issue that I have is not with the knowing. I have more of a problem with the doing and, and, and living up to how much I know already. And that is why we continue to go back to God's word and, and be encouraged. And, and it's almost like Paul recognizes that this is going to be an issue. And so he ends with this. Therefore, do not be foolish but understand what God's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. And debauchery is doing stupid stuff when you drink. It basically is what it means, is that when you drink and then you're just, your filter's gone and you use that as an excuse to do a bunch of other dumb stuff. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's hard to not only know but also to do. And that is why the promise from God is that you are not alone. He sends his Holy Spirit. And so as we continue in his word... As we continue with brothers and sisters in Christ to encourage us, and and as we sharpen one another, as, as pieces of iron sharpen one another, as we gather around his word, the spirit grows inside of us. And he changes the way we think and the way that we act in in a way that we cannot completely understand. But that is the promise, the promise of his Holy Spirit. In the blank, you can write. As a child of God, I am filled with the Spirit. As a child of God, I am filled with the Spirit. My life is a song of praise, thanking God for everything he has done for me. My life is a song of praise, thanking God for everything he has done for me. Sometimes I think about those old days when I would see a police car, when I would drive into town uh, after I had been away at at college or or just coming back into town and seeing a, a police car on the side of the road and slowing down to see if it was my dad or to see what officer it was to see if I would just stop by and, and stay, say hi and uh, to just have that, that close relationship. And I understand that, that uh, it's probably not going to happen here, and maybe for you that it's just, to think that that might happen, it's just not going to. But my prayer for you today is when you think of your relationship with your God, that you don't think of him as a police officer who's looking for an opportunity to bust you, but rather you think of yourself as a child of God, that you think of, of someone who loves you, someone who has a relationship with you, someone who wants to talk to you on a a regular basis, someone who has a unique relationship with you and his law, which gives you a unique relationship with him and, and also affects the way that you live as well. 
So live as a child of God. And, and as you do that, do it in, in thanks, thinking of all that God has done for you and, and showing it as you live your life. Let's pray. Dear Lord God, we thank you for the gift that you have given us in Jesus Christ, that the way this started, being kind and compassionate, forgiving just as in Christ we've been forgiven. Lord, we thank you for the sacrifice that Jesus was for our sins. And now help us as we, we battle in our lives. All of us struggle with, with things having to do with money and, and sexuality and just being self-centered. And if we're honest, there are times, and, and even might be right now, where we're, we are failing miserably. And for that reason, Lord, we ask you to forgive us. We ask you to uh, send your Holy Spirit into our hearts. Let us live lives of love just as Christ lived for us. And let us show thanks for you in everything that we do. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So, before we close, if you would like more information about Crosswalk or to listen to other messages, head over to crosswalkphoenix.com or come and see us. Services are held at Cesar Chavez High School at 41st Avenue and Baseline on Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. Visit our website for directions. And now some closing thoughts from Pastor Dan. The very last part of that chapter said that we're supposed to encourage each other with psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. Well, the very last part of the message is going to give you the opportunity to do that. So everyone, please stand right now. Uh, we've been talking about being a child of God and what that means. The song we're going to sing in, in just a second is, is, is going to showcase that on who we are as children of the one true king. And, and before we sing that, uh, go with the Lord's blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you his peace. Amen.